Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach Trip Lanier. Do you put people on a pedestal and then feel like crap when you compare yourself to them? Is a mindset of focus, discipline, and leadership something you're born with? Or is it trained? And how is your addiction to drama and negativity distracting you from an amazing life? The Way of the Seal author Mark Devine is back to discuss how you can benefit from thinking and leading like an elite warrior. Welcome to The New Man Today. We are back with Commander Mark Devine. He's a former Navy SEAL. He's also the author of the new book, The Way of the Seal, Think Like an Elite Warrior to Lead and Succeed. Mark, thanks for coming back to talk. Yeah, Trent. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, you know, you were recently on the, on the show. We talked about The Unbeatable Mind. I, that was one of my favorite interviews. Uh, you've got this new book, The Way of the Seal, so let's help the guy listening connect the dots because, you know, in his world, the elite warrior, you guys are these supermen, you know, you guys like, he's not, he may not even see yourself himself as one of you or, or that it's possible to be like you. So why, why should he care? Like what is, what's in it for him to learn how an elite warrior would lead his life? How, how, how is that going to be on his radar? Well, there's a couple things. First off, you know, seals obviously, you know, the perception is, and the reality is that they're, they're pretty, you know, they're pretty tough physically and mentally and they're super focused and they're extremely good team players and they, they get shit done at a very high level Yeah, and they learn how to succeed. So those are all, um, learned skills and learned traits. It's not like, you know, we're all a bunch of Rambos and you drop one of us in the middle of Iraq and I'm going to go hunt Saddam Hussein, get him into my gun site and take him out. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Every SEAL starts with a single push-up. Every SEAL, you know, team starts um, you know, shooting on a 25-meter range, and until you can, you know, shoot expert, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't go to the 50- or 100-yard range. You don't start running and gunning and moving, you know, working with moving targets. And so, um, you know, the principles, the SEALs are built incrementally, you know, one brick at a time, and there's a methodology and a, and a philosophy and a mindset that is, you know, inculcated into the field that becomes, you know, the way they think for the rest of their life. 
And my premise was that, geez, you know, when I got out of the SEALs, I started to, you know, I used those principles because they're baked into me to build successful businesses and to see success. And I saw people struggling around me. I'm like, you know, hey, this is easy. But um, it wasn't so easy for them. They hadn't been trained the way I had been trained. Right. So I thought, well, you know, I better um, do something about that because I can. And it kind of made it one of my missions to, to try to um, ferret out some of the more unique um, nuances of how SEALs are taught to think and to lead and to build success as a habit and to, uh, to teach people that. And so that was kind of the foundation of Unbeatable Mind and then the genesis for this book itself, which was um, kind of a labor of love that I've, you know, it's taken me a few years of thought and, and preparation, but then uh, yeah. about six months of nonstop writing to put, put it together. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because there's this, uh, there's this pedestal. There's so many of us that are walking around and we put people on a pedestal, well, whether we know it or not. And I know as most guys, we might think, that girl's out of my league or I can't do what those guys do. I can't have a, even if I'm having a successful business, I'm not on that level. Like those guys are that those people that are doing that. And so we, we, whether we realize it or not, unconsciously we we create these pedestals that we put people on and what you're saying, hold on, you know, there is no pedestal. You just, we can learn this stuff. You can be trained to do this stuff. Is that right? Yes, exactly. And and ultimately we create our own reality. Seals create their own reality because they expect to win. And they expect to win as a team, and then they expect that that win is going to require a lot of hard work and planning, training, preparation, and then the execution of the, of the op. And I think that, you know, for business or any kind of life goal, well, those same principles are germane, right? You can, you know, if you, if you really want to ex- you know, operate at a, at a high, high level, an elite level in business, then you've got to basically set the conditions in your mind to get there, and then you've got to take action to get there massive action. You got to have a really good plan, but you know, you got to basically then run toward the sound of danger and fail forward fast and train yourself and, you know, suffer through the losses and the failures, but never give up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I want to go back to something you said a little while ago, which was you see something, you know, coming from your world uh, of being an elite warrior, you see something out there that wait a second, there's a gap here and there's something that can be learned. What, what do you think that is? What, if you had to put a wrapper around it, what are most people missing that is just really obvious to you? Man, if they just learned this, it, it, they, could, they could do anything. What is, it, what is that? Well, I would say, I mean, there's a lot of things, but I would say number one is that to learn that they're truly capable of, of far, far more than they've been led to believe. And I, and I mean that in the sense of more than just, you know, um, my belief system says I have you know, a little bit of low self-esteem. I mean that our society hasn't learned how to tap the full potential of the human being, the human mind. Yet there are examples in other societies, in other you know, niche cultures, particularly in the warrior traditions, where they've had training and, and practices and uh, mindsets to really tap you know, an unbelievable depth and breadth of, you know, of potential, human potential. So it's almost like from, from the get-go, they've been raised in this environment that says, I'm only capable of so much. And you're right. saying, wait a second, that's the thing that's really holding you back. You have no idea how much you're capable of. Is that the 20X thing? You're capable of that's 20 times 20X, more? Yeah. So that's, you know, one of my training programs, Kokoro Camp, is designed to like shatter that and say, okay, yeah, I am capable 20 times at a minimum of what I what had been led to believe. And again, it's not your parents' fault. It's not really society's fault. It's is we're all operating in this cultural meme that says, you know, we are limited as humans in this 
in this way. And, and, you know, studies and research, you know, from brain science and, you know, people who are looking at this type of thing, you know, come back and say, we're actually tapping into, you know, maybe, maybe at the outside, 10% of our full capacity, full mental capacity. And so one of the, you know, one of the things that I think we learned in the fields was how to tap a much broader range of our mental powers, you know, and, and to use our subconscious and our intuition and, and to um, our creativity and to learn to think with imagery instead of just words and to be, you know, to be super uh, fast problem solvers because we don't deny our instincts. We kind of leverage them. So there's a lot of intelligences that we have that really multiply and expand and leverage your cognitive intelligence, which is, you know, kind of what we in the West have, have thought was the holy grail, and it's only part of the solution. It seems like, like if you could just grasp this concept, and any time that doubt comes in, that limiting thinking comes in, and you challenge it, and you move forward anyway, it seems like you'd, you'd automatically just put yourself in rarefied air, that you wouldn't be uh, seduced by this, by this limiting thinking. Well, certainly awareness is the first step, awareness. And then there's, um, you know, action. And the action comes in the form of, of training, you know, trust, trusting that, you know, this, this idea, this concept is um, true. And then, you know, you have breakthrough, transformation. And then once you, you know, the transformation, you know, you don't always just immediately jump up and rest in rarefied air trip. You, you may taste it a little bit and then fall back down and, you know, have to embrace the suck of, you know, being common again. And then you break through to another level and you taste that and you, and you, and you know, stay there a little longer. You get to, you know, um, learn how to operate a little bit more in, you know, in that environment. And then you might kind of fall back down again. But eventually you will find yourself at a new center of gravity, which is at a, you know, greater or higher stage of consciousness, utilizing a, a fuller capacity of your human powers. And you'll look back and you'll say, wow, I was, I was pretty limited back then yeah. you know, in the way I was thinking and acting. But it's not a linear path. I, I like to say that uh, success looks like failure in the middle, but if we, don't ex- if we don't expect it to, then we think it is failure. We think it is done and we might as well go back to the way we are that, well, I thought I was one of those people, but I'm not or whatever just kind of bullshit we tell ourselves. But Right. It, you know, if we could paint the picture, no, you know, growth and movement and progress is this jagged line and it goes up and down. Like, like you said, does, does it, it looks I, a lot like the stock market over time? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I just really stumble, you know, stub your toe and you take a major setback and then you, other times you just race, you know, forward and you have these, you know, great experiences and, and, you know, you want it to be permanent, but then guess what? You slide back down. But over time, you're growing, and you know one of the keys, though, is is it's got to be if you have both this um, this you know transformational growth, which is you know the type that I mostly talk about in the book that you know comes from daily awareness practices, daily training, you know pushing, 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 and prodding and poking and and trying to learn every day and get one percent better every day. But then you have the kind of growth that comes from uh, basically unblocking some of your past crap, you know, what, what psychologists would call your shadow self and, you know, where those things get, get you stuck, you, you end up, you can get stuck permanently and stop your growth. And, and some of the times, you know, one of the reasons we fall back is because we stumble upon something that blocks our growth, whether it's emotional or, or some subconscious belief system. And it literally, you know, stops us in a track. You know, that's why so many people fail on that one yard line. 
a proverbial, you know, yeah. moment of success and they just pull back and say, I'm not worthy, of, you know, or something in their past caused them to think that it's not them, you yeah. know, which is kind of what you were alluding to earlier. So you've got to do both, right? You've got to do the, the deep excavation into your psychology and subconscious, and then you've got to do the, the transpersonal work, which is going to take you to higher terrain. What do you, what do you mean? You, you talked a little bit a while ago. You said, you said a phrase, which is in the book, embrace the suck. So what, walk right. us through that. What does it mean to embrace the suck? Does it mean to, to tolerate and to, and to just, okay, things. like things are going to just be shitty and that's, it's got to be okay with me? Or what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, it's not like a nihilistic concept like that, you know, where everything's going to be shitty, just get through it. It really means to learn to embrace failure. You know, you, you mentioned failure a little earlier. And the SEALs learn that that word is really irrelevant. I mean, there's no such thing as failure. There are just ways to do things and ways that things work, and there's ways that things don't work. And so when we go out on a mission, we expect failure. We embrace it, right? We know it's going to be there. No plan survives contact with the enemy. So the quicker I can find out what's not going to work, the quicker I can get to the win. And in order to do that, you've got to embrace the suck of, of the, the pain that comes with those failures, both the emotional pain and maybe the physical pain, right? If I, if I slip up and go down the wrong alley, you know, and I get in a firefight, you know what? It sucks fast until I fight my way out of that, that, that kill zone, and I embrace it. I understand what's going on. I don't sit down and say, woe is me. I've just lost. You know, I'm going to die. I just basically embrace it and lean into it and, and learn to use that suffering uh, to my advantage, and so in the book, I talk about how do you do this at a more mundane level, like for training, physical training, you know, physical training, you know, is meant to not be comfortable, right? You're putting stress on your body. You want to move the dial every time you train. If you're going to the gym and you're comfortable, then you're not training, right? You're working out and that's random and you're not going to grow as a human being through that training. Mm-hmm. And I believe, you know, one of my philosophies at SealFit is that training is not just to get you fit, but it's to grow you as a human being that physical intelligence that you have. And so in order for you to grow, you've you got to get out of your comfort zone. you got to go toward the challenge. you got to embrace the suck and come out the other side a stronger person. Instead of orienting our lives around, you know, how do I avoid challenge? How do I avoid the, the discomfort? Right. How do I avoid the, the, the possibility of failure? Um, it's embracing that. That stuff's part of it. I don't have to, like, you know, do stupid things just to bring it on, but just recognize that if I'm creating something in my life, like, there are going to be moments that I don't see coming and it's going to suck, but that's just going to be part of it. That doesn't mean that something's wrong or I suck or who I am as a person is bad. It's just part of the process. It is part of the process and, and pain just is, right? It's not good or bad. I mean, there's good pain and there's bad pain. So learn to find the good pain Learn to enjoy the benefits that it brings. You may not enjoy, like I don't, I wouldn't say that when I'm really sucking wind in the middle of a seal foot workout that I'm really enjoying that moment, but I am enjoying the process. And I am enjoying the team. I am enjoying the benefits that it brings me. And to be honest, you know, when it's done, I'm thrilled that it's over and I'm thrilled that I did it. Yeah. You know, contrast that with waking up and saying, oh, I don't want to face this pain. It's going to be too long, too hard. Uh, maybe... Uh, you know, maybe I'll just, uh, you know, go get a cup of coffee and a bagel instead. Well, I may be more comfortable in that moment that I'm having a cup of coffee and eating that bagel, but I have a serious regret that I didn't, you know, have the courage and the cojones to step into that workout. And that regret, you know, it carries with me all day and it diminishes my experience. And I, I feel less 
you know, courageous. I feel, you know, a little bit um, down perhaps because I didn't step into the, the challenge and embrace the suck. And so, you know, I'm, 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 I'm slowing down my growth. I'm slowing it down or, or interrupting it, but at least for that day. And you make a habit of that, and that's why people get in these ruts of, and they, you know, they gain weight and they, they just feel their self-esteem starts to drop because they're not creating or developing a habit of doing, you know, going toward the challenge, embracing the suck, you know, building, um, building themselves every day. You know, you've got to, you've got to expend effort in order to grow. Yeah, we're in this reactive place, therefore we're playing small. We're not focused on an outcome that we want to create. We're just looking at all the possibilities that could go wrong, and therefore the world just gets smaller and smaller. Um, yeah, and, you, and your reality gets smaller until you get smaller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, life feels like a trap then. I, I, well, how does that relate then to bulletproofing your mission? That's one of the other things that you discuss in the book. To bulletproof your mission, I can imagine the guy that, that hears that, he's like, well, wait a second, that sounds like we just make sure that there's no failure in it. So h- how does that work? Well, bulletproofing your mission is doing the work up front, you know, before you step out of the, you know, out of the airplane into your mission, whatever that mission might be. And I'm okay. speaking metaphorically. So, you know, planning, proper planning is, is critical. Then we used to say that proper prior planning prevents piss poor performance. And so, that, but planning, you know, it doesn't mean having a perfect plan. It doesn't mean, you know, knowing everything that's going to go on. What it means is having a good enough plan. And then really um, basically believing with your entire being that you're going to kick ass in that plan. And so there's, a, there's basically the, the planning element, and there's some tools that I include in the book for how to plan, like how to select the right target. Does the target, does the target fit? You know, one of, one of the reasons a lot of people fail, Trip, is that they're, they're going after the wrong targets, right? They haven't taken the time to really, really carefully select the right targets. And then... Once you select that target, to ensure that your plan is, um, you're able to, to be, be very specific with it, but fluid with it, right? So plans are fluid because they never survive contact, like I said earlier, with the enemy or with reality. And then you've got it broken down and chunked down into micro goals so that, you know, as soon as you enter the arena, you're, you're starting to rack up successes because the goals are chunked down in a way that, you know, you, you almost can't possibly not hit the, the target. I like that. And what's 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 a way to, to to tell right off the bat if the target is out of alignment or it sucks or it's it's the one that we want to go for? Do you have kind of a a test that you use to determine that? Yeah, I call it the fit process. You know, obviously the the acronym being does the target fit you, and you know the the, the F basically is fit. Does it fit you in terms of your your personality, your skill set, your time? You know, your not your time, but your um you know, your expectations and also is it aligned kind of with your, with your overarching purpose or, you know, where you're going to go in your life. Now I'm thinking about personal goals, not like corporate team goals with this, you know, with this example. And, um, and then the I, the, the I part of the fits is important. How important is this target? Oftentimes, you know, we'll line up different targets. Like if you, if you take the time to sit down and do this, you line up the different targets you're going after and you realize that you're spending all your time on the least important target, you know, and so you're wasting your energy. So how important is this target? What's the return on investment of your time and resources, right? Yeah. And then the T is, is the timing right for this target for you right now? Again, that's another common reason for failure is you've got this target. Now, I've succumbed to this too in the past where, you know, I've got a target, but, you know, I will... 
my organization wasn't ready for it. You know, so the timing was wrong for the organization. It was, you know, I was two years ahead of, you know, you've probably experienced this yourself, Trip, because a lot of entrepreneurs do. You know, you're thinking two years ahead of your organization. And so, you know, you, you're like, let's do this. And it's just, you're just not ready for it. It's not Oftentimes, the, time. the market is not ready for you. And that's another cause for, you know, suboptimal success is if, if you're the thought leader and you're the pioneer, you know, that doesn't mean you're the one that's going to succeed. Oftentimes, you're too early and uh, someone else will come along and knock you off later on when the market's right, you know, for, yeah. for your idea. Yeah. So is the timing right for you to hit this target or is there some other target you should be going after? And then the S of the fifth process is, is it simple, right? It's, mm. The whole idea of simplicity doesn't mean it's easy. It just means, is it simple to understand? Is it simple to convey to my team so that I can get them to rally behind it with all their energy? Uh, oftentimes, you know, Largely because, you know, we've become enamored with our cognitive, you know, brain. We tend to overthink things and we tend to over, you know, complexify things. And then when it comes to executing, the wheels fall off because of the complexity. So is it simple and can you, you know, can you wrap your, you know, can, can my 14-year-old wrap his head around it and articulate it? And if those, you know, if the answer is yes, you've got a good, you've got a good target that fits you. I like that. I like criteria. Very cool. Well, I talk to a lot of guys who devour personal development or they're, they're in their business and they just kind of get in this place and it's really easy for them to beat themselves up. They have these really high expectations about what they should be able to do. They should, if they read something, they should be able to quickly implement these ideas because, hell, I understand it, so why am I not doing it? And they, there's their gap that's created between what they know and then what they're doing. And it, right. it can, you know, they can turn the blade on themselves. So I was relieved to read that part in your book about slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Tell right. us what you mean by that. Well, you are utterly correct in that. And that I think that one of the huge disservices of a lot of the, the personal development folks of the last 20 years have been out there, you know, really well-intentioned, some great information. But to think that you're going to manifest huge success overnight just by thinking of it, right, it doesn't happen that way, right? Sure, you've got you to see yourself succeeding. Yes, you've got to visualize it. That's super powerful. Yes, you've got to have short-term goals tied to a, a long-term vision or purpose. Yes, you got to take massive action. Yes, you you know got to clear out your background of obviousness, which is that shadow self, and make sure you're not blocking yourself. But ultimately, ultimately, it's it's a day by day, smooth as fast, you know, process where you're just you know it's an incremental growth, and um, you know you you will have some moments of accelerating breakthroughs, and then you'll have others of failure, like we talked earlier, or setbacks. But it's just a day to day grunt work where the money is made. You know what I mean? It's almost like that old adage of investing, right? There's no such thing as getting rich quick, you know, unless you're just a gambler. And then right. um, even then it's not, you know, it could be fleeting, right? And right. so you've got to you've got to have a long-term process approach to your own development and enjoy the journey instead of focus on the destination. And stop, you know, thinking that you're going to, you know, read a book and, all of a sudden be a different person, right? You may choose one thing from that book and start to work on it. It's probably a better idea and then integrate that and then, then go on to the next. It sounds like we've got to take responsibility for our own pace and, and, and stop this process of comparing ourselves to others and, and whether that, that defines whether we're doing a good job or not, but really just own what's right for me. How, how do I go about doing this? Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and, the world is changing really fast. Everyone obviously, you know, can sense the pace of change accelerating. Technology 
you know, with Moore's laws, you know, accelerating, and it's going to get, you know, incredibly intense in the next 10 years when all these radical exponential technologies start to intersect, like sensors and artificial intelligence and quantum computing and 3D printing, and it's just going to be an insane amount of change. And, you know, it's estimated that 40% of Fortune 500 companies will be out of business within five years. And, you know, what's going to be in their place? Well, it's going to be entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and, you know, guys like, you know, you and me and your listeners picking up the slack. Well, I guess my point here is that, you know, we can fall into this trap that we need to do it all. We need to learn it all. We need to, you know, send ourselves out in a thousand different directions because the world is moving in a thousand different directions. And that's, that's utterly false. You really need to choose one thing, one overarching thing that is your mission, your goal in life, right? And it might then express itself as a version of that for this year, but what is your one thing that I'm going to do this year that, that I'm going to learn this year or I'm going to become or I'm going to create? What is that one thing? And then to set your, your goals toward that one thing. And so instead of sending your energy out in a thousand points of light, Focus it like a laser beam on one thing, and that's going to move the dial forward, and that's going to make you an expert and allow you to go deep and to, you know, earn a great living around that one thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's how we're going to all survive in this new economy is instead of trying to do it all like in the past and to be a generalist, I mean, you you got to get focused. Yeah, you got to get focused if you really want to make an impact, if you really want to deliver value and thus have an exchange with the world. You're saying we've got to pick that one thing that we know that we can really deliver and really right. whatever we do that really moves the needle forward. Well, let's talk about focus because you sent out, out an email, I think it was around Christmas time, and it was focusing on all the positive aspects of the world, the progress that was being made. It was it was really cool. And, and in how many ways yeah. we're safer now than we were years ago. And I, and I imagine that I was kind of taken aback from that. My dad's a retired Marine and a cop, and he's really good at watching out for all the threats that are going on in the room, like no matter where we go. And so hearing this come from a warrior, you know, it, I just anticipated it would be about the threats and anticipating threats. There seems to be a resistance to appreciating what's going well, or there's, there's something about we might let our guard down. I'm wondering if you believe it's I mean, what's the value in, in appreciating the positive? Does it, does it make us more vulnerable if we take our eye off the threats? No, I don't think so. I think the, um, and there's two levels of warriorship. You know, one is the, you know, the level that you're alluding to, the sheepdog, and you're always scanning for threats, and you're, you're expecting the worst, and you're prepared for the best. And the other level is capable of that, but is positively focused on uh, creating the conditions so that, that those threats don't occur or don't arise, in, in, at least in your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of, the, one of my objectives with this book and with the Unbeal Mind is to create, you know, is to help create and, and spread awareness of the fact that we are all co-creating our future. And there are unbelievable opportunities that, you know, technology can, you know, technology is neutral. It can be good. It can be evil. You know, most people focus on, you know, the, the evil or the negative, because that's what they're hearing in the press. That's what people are talking about. You know, our brains are wired for that negativity bias, so we immediately seize on the, you know, this, the, the fear and the negative aspects of it. Having said that, the positive side is equally plausible, equally possible, and will occur if we intend it to as a society, as a culture, as a race. And so um, the more people who can get on with this idea of being uh, positivity and abundance and and co-creating a future where, 
you know, those things that we fear don't come to pass because we won't allow them, then I think we'll, we'll create a, a much more uh, dynamic and vibrant and positive future. And I believe that's the way we're heading, you know, um, and it took me some work to really get out of my own negativity rut thinking about the change and the negative aspects of it. You know, about five years ago, I was looking at things and holy shit, you know, there's going to be a lot of turmoil as our institutions and systems break down and technology, you know, disrupts massive, you know, industries and, and people are going to suffer. And, you know, that may be true to some extent. There may be some populations who do suffer and, you know, certainly we'll, we'll be there to help them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, one of the, the, the populations in the business community, which I really honor and I think are on the vanguard of this thinking, are the social entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, there, there are social entrepreneurs who are creating solutions um, that are radical, and yet they're not, we're not able to even employ them within the, you know, the confines of Western society because our regulatory and bureaucratic structures won't allow it. And so they're actually planting the seeds for these technologies, you know, in third world countries, you know, like Africa. And, you know, it's really quite plausible that some of these technologies will allow some African nations to, to not only ascend out of poverty, but to eclipse the West, you know, within 50 or 100 years. I mean, that's a, a really crazy thought, you know, but, you know, as our Western systems are so entrenched and they're going to hang on, they're going to really grasp to hang on for as long as possible through this change period yeah. that, you know, I could see other cultures, you know, basically springing up that, that, that are a lot flatter, a lot more dynamic and are leveraging these technologies that we basically wouldn't allow in due to our regulatory structures. Now that's, that's just kind of an interesting little sidebar. Yeah. Well, I, the takeaway for me is just don't, just watch where your focus is going, right? Is if it's just focused on the threats, we miss the opportunities, and if it's just on the opportunities, we 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 leave our uh, our six unguarded. So, um, right. all right. Well, we talked about yeah. them. Oh, go ahead. No, I mean, I'm sure you recommend those folks, but one of the one of the practices I recommend for my people, and I think it's in the book as well, is you know just just end your addiction to to TV and network news and stop watching TV. Right? It's just horrible. Uh, you know, I went skiing this weekend with my uh, son, and they had the TV on all weekend. And literally, I had to I had to leave the room because it was just so hard for my brain to fit all that you know all that crap into it. Excuse my language. And news is really negative, and it, it poisons you over time. So when you shut that off and pull the plug, now it, it allows your you know your mind to settle back down into a more neutral state where possibilities for positive, you know, reflection and taking, you know, information in that, that is maybe hidden and, you know, obscured by the, the common, you know, the, the, um, the, the mainstream culture. And, uh, you know, for me, it's not like I'm uninformed or ill-informed. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I get my news by scanning for patterns, you know, in, in like Google news, I'll scan for patterns. I don't ra- I rarely read an entire article cause I can, I know exactly what it's saying just by the title and but I'll look for patterns, and then I also uh, use services like Stratfor, which you know send me email alerts about what's going on in the world, and and really detailed analysis about geopolitical things, which is fascinating, right? And so I you know I go deep on things that are really interesting and intriguing, like what's going on in Ukraine and Syria, and and you know the shifts that are happening in the Middle East, and with America pulling out of Afghanistan, and it's really thoughtful analysis. It's not just a drive-by shooter, you know, um, journalist who's just trying to 
capture your attention with a catchy headline. Right. I'm glad you brought this up because it, I, you know, there's this addiction to drama. There's an addiction to fear. And to me, it's just a distraction. It's one of those things that we tell ourselves is important. We, we think we need to know what's going on, but it's really a distraction. Uh, if right. there's, if it's a distraction. And negativity, you have to crawl your way out of it. I mean, it's very hard to perform at your peak in a negative state. Mm. And unless you're maybe in a fight for your life, and then you can, you know, it's anger is a negativity, and you can transmute that anger into action. But when it comes to performing in the business, you know, in the boardroom, or even on a SEAL mission, you've got to have a positive expectation, and you've got to see that positive expe- outcome, you've got to be able to speak that positive outcome, you've got to believe that positive outcome. And if you're in a negative state, or your team's in a negative state, you've got to crawl out of that before you can execute at a positive level. And so it's like carrying a, you know, a kettlebell around your ankle. Every time you listen to the news, you're triggering you know, negative thought patterns and a negative vibration. And so you, you're basically putting a heavier kettlebell around your ankle, and it's going to hold you back. I love it. You know, we can, we can just get into that place where, how, how are we going to create something great in the world if all we think the world is the world is screwed? The world's exactly. bad. The world's terrible. Don't go outside. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's like, how do you get into that creative place of, okay, what's possible? What, you know, things are great. People can work together. Things are, you know, yes, there's that other side of the coin too, but which one are you going to focus on and which one are you going to use to fuel your creation? And it truly is a choice. Beautiful. Well, you talked about, we talked in, you know, in the last time we talked, we talked about the emotional world a lot. And you've got a chapter in this book entitled Lead With Your Heart. So, what does it mean to lead with your heart? Because there's so much just really great kind of rubber meets the road stuff in here. Um, and then lead with your heart. What does that mean? Walk us through that. I know. That's where I get a little mushy probably, huh? But, uh, you know, one of my camps, you know, I, I alluded to earlier that I teach with SealFit, is a 50-hour nonstop training event called Kokoro. And I chose that word, it's a Japanese word, because there really isn't any word in English that kind of, thumbs up what I was trying to get across. And Kokoro means to merge your heart with your mind in your actions. And so, you know, most of us are, are thinkers, right? And so we try to think through a problem, right? Or a challenge happens and we're immediately trying to think through it. And warriors tend to, you know, of course they're using their, their noggin to think, but they, and they use mental models to help think clearly. So, you know, because the mind is a tricky little bugger, right, as you mm-hmm. know. And yet they, they, they allow their heart into the uh, action so that they can really feel their way through a situation. Because that's where your heart, their um, finding, has neurological processing capacity. And it also is able to emit um, much farther and to receive information from a much greater distance than your mind is, than your, your, your thinking head mind. You know what I mean? And so bottom line that, what's the advantage that the heart, like bringing the heart into it? What do you, what do you see as the advantage there? Well, you're able to be a better teammate. You're able to be much more, um, you know, emotionally connected to your team. One of the reasons, you know, I feel like if you watch Lone Survivor, and I'm sure some of your listeners have watched that movie about Marcus Luttrell and, you know, the, the other three guys and he on the, on the uh, hilltop in Afghanistan getting shot off the mountain and right. three of his teammates, you know, getting killed and then him surviving. Well, they were, you know, screw the mission. The mission was completely compromised. And they weren't, you know, out there just going solo, Rambo, you know. Right. It wasn't a movie about how one tough Navy SEAL made it and the others weren't tough enough and they didn't. It was about how these guys literally fought for each other because they loved each other. They loved each other at a heart level 
as, as teammates, comrades in arms can only know, right? It's a different type of love. We don't have a word for it in the English language. And that's what I mean by leading with heart. They were there for each other. That was what they were fighting for. And then when, you know, this individual uh, from the Afghani tribe, you know, took uh, Latrell into custody, you know, he developed a heartfelt uh, relationship or, you know, a, a connection to that guy. And, and so as he protected Latrell, Latrell has then gone back and protected him from the Taliban and brought his family uh, over to the United States and really, um, you know, created quite a cultural bond and they don't even speak the same language. They yeah. barely understand each other. Yeah. It's now, that, that is a rich warrior tradition and skill. You know, there's a saying that we say, and that is the warrior is the last to pick up the lance, meaning that they aren't the ones uh, who are uh, seeking warfare. They're not the ones who want to put a bullet in someone else's head. That's the last resort, right? And the highest warrior has a love for his enemy as well as, you know, his teammates. And so it's just a principle, you know, as you develop these skills, you move higher and higher, you know, in stages of consciousness. You know, the, the rarefied air you talked about earlier are, are stages and states of consciousness accessible to the human being. And at those higher stages, you know, um, you experience love and um, uh, a connection to all human beings and eventually all sentient beings. And warriors, whether you're a Navy SEAL or a Spartan or a Samurai, uh, train for this and they experience that. And I, I, you know, my premise is that everyone should experience that because it's just a, it's a beautiful thing, not just metaphorically, but it's a beautiful thing to experience and to, to live your life like that. I love it, man. God, it, it, that's, I'm glad you brought that example in there, that story, and now the movie that's out there because uh, it, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful illustration. Um, let's talk about leadership. Let's talk about the guy that's listening out there. As we talked about a lot of stuff today. What's one thing? he could start doing today that's going to make a difference, going to help him start to bring more of that heart-mind connection in his actions? I think, you know, the one thing that leaders can do today is to slow down and to just spend more time stop trying to lead. And what I mean by that is that the, the intelligence in your team rests in the team, in the, in the sum total of what that team means, right? It's not in any one genius. It's not in the genius of the leader. It's the, it's the, the surprise that happens when the team, you know, is in synchronicity, uh, is able to tap into a higher order of intelligence, and some genius comes out of it. And, and it may, you know, the expression that may come from the, the you know, a, a corner that you're not expecting. You know, like we used to say, some of, the, some of the best ideas come from the most junior guy in the field because he hasn't crushed it over with been there, done that thinking. And uh, it's the same with any type of corporate team or, or entrepreneurial team. Is a lot of times, like for me, I've had to, this has been a hard lesson for me, but get out of my own way. Mm. Stop trying to think that you're the leader and, you know, you have to make all the calls and you have to have the best plan and, you know, it all revolves around you because it doesn't. It doesn't. It revolves around your teammates. So get out of the way. Ask your teammates how you can serve them. Ask your teammates how you can make their lives better. Ask your teammates how you can unlock their creativity and their passion, right, for what they're doing. And they'll probably tell you, get out of the way. You're, do you're doing great, but let us do, give us more time for autonomy, more time to work on projects like Google does, and give us a freaking change the world vision. You know, we want to be inspired to come to work. It's not about the money. 
beautiful. Man, I got a huge smile on my face. <laughs> I love that. Uh, slow down to speed up. That's what my coach tells me. And, uh, and I love just like just bringing, bringing this, bringing this spaciousness in there and letting go, letting go of this need to control. It's a fear-based thing. So open uh, let up. Let go and flow is what I say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love it. The way of the seal. Think like an elite warrior to lead and succeed. Mark Devine, thank you so much again for your service. And thank you so much for bringing this, uh, all of this wonderful information out into the world. Yeah, Trip. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to uh, chatting again sometime. And uh, best wishes with everything. Absolutely. Thank you so much. There's so much more to The New Man than these interviews. So visit thenewmanpodcast.com and join the mailing list so you never miss another update. Thanks for listening.